Welcome to the really useful podcast, or you could call this a summer special, a vacation special, a very vacation special, a holiday special. I'm using special a lot. I'm Christian Corley, and with me is James Frew. And in this week's show, which is the last one of the current run, and we're looking at various things to do with, you know, vacations, going on holiday, and tips and tricks related to technology and the modern technological world that are quite vital for you i mean it doesn't matter we're going to kind of get sidetrack stuff like booking holidays with vpns in order to get better prices and things like that because that's for another time i think you're not going to be booking a holiday in the summer i don't think unless you're kind of a seat of the pants budget finder that's pretty much what i do <laughs> I book holidays like a week before i'm due to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's been known here as well but anyway digressing let's move on uh, listen, there's various things we're going to talk about. I'm not going to give you a preview because we're going to kind of keep it kind of free-flowing. Uh, but there are, if you're going on holiday, examples of information you should never post online. Aren't there, James? There are indeed. So this is actually just good advice generally. So there's a there's a whole field of research called social engineering. And it's basically using psychology to manipulate people into giving away bits of information that are useful to fraudsters, criminals, etc., um, so social engineering can sometimes be a, a, a useful thing to participate in because it helps you maybe get along with people in the office or, you know, get that next promotion or things like that. But it can also be used fraudulently against you. So there are things that we end up posting online that you kind of shouldn't give away too flippantly. You know, they're, they're little bits of data, but taken together as a whole, they might give away something quite personal about yourself. And the reason this is particularly relevant for vacations and holidays is, well, I'm pretty sure we all know now that uh, social media is quite a big thing these days. And if you post that you're going on holiday, well, the immediate thing that's obvious there is you're not at your house. And so things like that can give away just little details that will make things easier for criminals. But there are other things that you may not realize that you're giving away. So obviously actively posting I'm going away is something you can just choose not to do. But there are other things like a lot of us take photos of our boarding passes, say, when getting on an airplane. But what you might not know is there's a little barcode along the bottom and that barcode can be scanned by pretty much anything and can give away who you are, where you're flying to, what location you're at, what airport you're at, where you were sitting, just loads of data. Right. So it's those kind of things that we need to be paying attention to. And I wrote an article about this a couple of years ago where we've listed out all the different types of bits of information. But um, there's lots of stuff that you just should really think about before you press the send button and, and post it online. And the trouble with this stuff is that, like I said, it's like little drip feeding. You know, you post this one thing and you think, oh, nothing of it. So an example I give in the article is you take to social media because your bank account isn't working. So you complain to your bank and say, this problem isn't working. That's a good way to get in touch with them and to probably to get them to act on something. But it also tells someone what bank you're with, um, possibly your full name if you've got your real name on social media and stuff like that. And those things together with maybe you've your Instagram handle is such and such plus your date of birth. And then suddenly an attacker has all the information they might need in order to fraudulently gain access to your accounts or to be able to convince someone to let them into your house or something like that, right? And that's the kind of stuff that you should be watching out for. 
And as I, as I said, this was an article that I wrote a few years ago, so we will have it in the show notes as well. So you, I would really recommend checking it out. But basically, it's be mindful of what you say before you say it online. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think from my, mine comes from a sort of a, my, my my first suggestion comes from a sort of a similar angle. Um, it is in terms of um, personal security and data security, um, but it's a little bit different because. I discovered a few years ago that I, although I had backups in the cloud, I didn't have a physical backup. And if I was going away and I was only going to take the most lightweight kit with me, if that got lost and simultaneously there was a disaster at home, then I would, I could potentially lose access to all my work. Mm. And along with like podcasts and writing for make use of and various other websites and print magazines, I have a number of what I like to call comedy scripts, but mm-hmm. which remain unproduced. <laughs> um, years, years, years on, they remain unproduced. And, you know, story ideas and other types of screenplays as well. And if I lost them, then I would be rather upset. So I started keeping uh, USB backups of everything. And then I thought, I thought, you know, I'm going away. What if someone steals my USBs? So I then started looking into ways that you can hide things in your house. Yeah. So, you know, there are some obvious things, such as, you know, um, keeping a USB stick in a jar of sugar or whatever. And then Mm -hmm. I thought, well, hang on, that is obvious. I've just thought of that in like five seconds. If I thought of it in five seconds, an experienced tea leaf is, who knows his onions? Yeah. who's done a bit of porridge. I'm using the lingo now. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he's also going to know where to look. Um, so what I started doing then was looking for things that were unique to our, 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 our property um, mm-hmm. and taking advantage of those. So, yeah, so there's various places where you can secrete things. So I've I, I put together a list. So you might put your HDD in a bag of sugar, but obviously, as I say, that's not a great idea. You might put a USB thumb drive in the egg tray. Again, not a great idea, I don't think. So kitchens is probably a good place to stay away from because in many cases, the kitchen's like the first point of contact for an intruder. They're not going to come in through the front door. They're either going through a window or through the back door slash kitchen door. Um, so there's, you know photos putting things behind photos might be a good idea might not be a good idea i think after several years of mulling over this article and living with children that the best place and also watching arnold schwarzenegger movies the best place to hide things is in toys yeah because no one's gonna look for them there are they there's too much in you know we've got three children so that's like three kids worth of toys Mm. That's a lot of, you know, most most of the light-fingered community, shall we call them, want to be quickly in and out. Yeah. So they're not going to spend ages going through your kids' toy collections looking for bits of tech. And if they are, then they've probably been given a contract to find a particular piece of tech, in mm. which case there's something uh, more sinister going on. Um, but I think the main takeaway from this is, you know, we, we can kind of wander into realms of fantasy is if you've got valuable technology and storage devices that are very personal to you that you don't want to lose and don't want them stolen, then they need to be kept out of you. It's as simple as that. So um, just to mention, so there's a 
we have a sister site called Blocks Decoded and we also do a podcast for that. And so this is a kind of similar topic that came up with um, your crypto keys. Okay. So your crypto keys are basically give people access to all of your cryptocurrencies if you're stored in a wallet. And one of the ideas that our colleague Joe Coburn came up with was that you can s- store little bits or fragments of your key in different houses or different addresses with different people. And so the only person that knows how those all go together is you. So say you store, I don't know how this would work for data, but let's imagine you had a document and you split it between three different USB keys and then you gave one to your parents and then you sent one to your work address and then you had one at home. And then the only way that that could be useful is if someone had all three pieces. I mean, it's a very elaborate way of doing things, but it it is also possible. So if you wanted to be very... uh, um, secure because I don't think that's likely to get found out and like you said if someone is putting that kind of effort in there's likely something a bit more um, worrying going on in the background rather than just something someone coming in and nicking your stuff yeah yeah absolutely you put me in mind of a comedy sketch I watched last night but we don't really have time to talk about it unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so yeah so I, I I'm trying to think last time I went on a holiday I was in a caravan and I took a did I take a laptop or did I take a tablet with me it's that long ago it might have been a Windows tablet and because I do find when I go on a holiday with with three children and being a freelancer I do find that I occasionally do a bit of work quite late at night when they've gone to bed yeah and one of the problems I have in these places. In fact, the very first time we went on holiday with the twins in 2012. Yeah, 2012. They were just one year old. We went to this beautiful campsite down in Cornwall. Um, and sort of near Newquay, that sort of area. And beautiful, beautiful scenery, lovely location, quiet, everything you'd want from Caravan Place, um, a static mobile home, beautiful veranda on the static as well, although there was some birds nesting above the door, which was a bit of a problem. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was one of those sort of house-sized caravans. It wasn't mm. like a narrow, it was like a narrow sort of Scarborough sort of caravan. It was like a huge thing. like the, Not much smaller than my house, actually. And Wi-Fi was a massive problem. There was no Wi-Fi. Um, and there wasn't an awful lot of mobile internet, but there was zero Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So I think the, what I had to do is actually put my phone on the veranda, <laughs> set it up as a mobile hotspot, and then sit inside or sit on the veranda. But whatever, you know, I, I, it, it was very difficult to get a connection. And that's quite common with a lot of places like that, a lot of remote mm. holiday destinations. You don't have great connectivity options, do you? Now, there is such a thing as travel routers, Wi-Fi travel routers, but I'm always a bit dubious about whether or not they're required Mm. because of, you know, this whole thing of you can use your phone. So is a travel... Have you ever used one? I mean, am I wrong about this? Do do, do people need a travel router or should you just rely on your phone? So the travel router works by, like, connecting to a cell connection. That's essentially what it is. It has a SIM card in it and it will connect to the cell network. So its usefulness is all predicated on the idea that there will be a cell connection. Yeah. So 
if you have a connection on the travel router, then you will likely have one on your phone as well, depending on your provider and coverage. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but they are very helpful if you have a number of devices, say, or if you're going abroad and you don't have a roaming plan and that kind of thing. Because obviously, if you go abroad and you want to be able to use the Internet, it's going to cost you a lot unless you're using local Wi-Fi services. But if you're staying in somewhere that doesn't have free Wi-Fi or there isn't free Wi-Fi readily available, then you're going to be paying a lot if you want to get online. So to have one device that's set up to go roaming and then you can connect all of your other devices too. I think that's a really useful scenario for it. The other one, which is because we are both fairly security minded, you know, we write um, a lot of security articles. And in fact, you know, anyone that isn't aware, Christian is the editor of the security section on the site. Um, but a lot of people use these because public Wi-Fi can be quite insecure and there could be monitoring stuff set up on it. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that someone would be kind of eavesdropping on the Wi-Fi networks that are available in public spaces or in your holiday home. And so you have much more control about what's going through and more visibility on it uh, if you use one of these travel routers. So I think those are probably the two best case scenarios is sort of for abroad travel and if you want to be more secure while on the go. Yeah. I uh, I mean, and if, if you, I mean, if, if a travel router isn't your option, and as James says, they do rely on existing mobile internet, um, then a VPN is the other option to secure your mobile connection or your public Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I find um, actually in-car routers might be, more and more important as time progresses and you have children and this is something we kind of managed not to deal with until very recently when we actually accidentally accidentally we we were given the option of a very good deal for a, for a tablet for one of the children so we took it um from I think it was with vodafone and we thought this is a good option we'll take this keeps one of the children entertained in the car mainly and it is mainly for car journeys and it's got mobile internet um but what we didn't foresee was said child kind of eating up through that four gigabytes of data watching peppa pig oh wow uh, <laughs> in about two weeks which has sort of resulted in me using my phone as a router in the car yeah which is a bit of a pain because obviously there's my own bandwidth gets eaten up and there's the battery issue as well. Mm. And there's also, I do tend to use my phone for Google Maps, even if I'm going to, you know, York, which is only an hour away and there's only one yeah. road. Well, there's only two roads then. That's kind of, well, there isn't only two roads, but there's two direct ways. And that is kind of why I use it because, you know, you don't know what's coming up and, you know, traffic issues are useful to know in advance, which is kind of why I use it, even though it's, you know, it's a relatively short trip. So that, that is why I kind of tend to rely on uh, on Google Maps. So, you know, when you've got that whole thing, when everything's hitting your phone, it heats up, battery's down, you know, it's routing data for Peppa Pig, marathons, <laughs> you know, it can, be, it can alter, which is why I think an, an in-car router for cars is kind yeah. of the way, way forward. I mean, the other alternative would be quite a lot of apps offer either downloads or offline availability. So I think the yeah, last time yeah. we we spoke on this podcast, uh, we were looking at apps that can work offline. And Google Maps is one of them. So you can download an area yeah. ahead of time. Now, obviously, as you were saying, like traffic is one of the key things if you're going to be driving. 
um, which you can't do offline, unfortunately. But you can still get the directions and public transport routes and that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, Peppa Pig. So if you were going to be streaming, um, some of the uh, online streaming sites allow downloads as well. So Netflix enabled it, I think it was two or three years ago. So you can now download certain shows off for offline viewing. So there are ways around it if you don't particularly want to or can't or don't feel the need to buy a travel router or something like that. You can yeah. download things ahead of time, but it does require a bit of planning. And I think that's the the biggest difference there is that we've got quite used to this constant connectivity. So we don't think ahead necessary to go, mm. oh, well, you know, in a week's time, I might need the directions to this or this particular thing. Um, but we've got a couple of articles on the site, I think, about the kind of apps you can download for offline use while traveling. So like Google Translate is a really good one that can work online, but if you download it, you can download a language pack ahead of time. So if you're gonna be somewhere that isn't speaking the same language as you, even offline, you can then use the translate functions, which is a lifesaver if you're trying to say something particularly urgent yeah. uh, in a country where you don't speak the language. Does it say it for you? Yeah, you can get it to, to do the speech as well. Or you can just like awkwardly show someone your phone and go, yeah, and point to it. I don't know about you I don't know what you learned at school I learned German and then French and then yeah. decided I didn't like French at all so didn't in those days you could choose what you wanted to learn at school so I dropped yeah. French um, and kept German and I've been to Germany when I was uh, nearly 30 years ago during Italian 90 I was in Germany and there was ample opportunity to speak German day to day. And I, I got quite reasonably good at it. I probably, you know, the, 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 the ability of a six or seven year old, I should imagine, at German. Um, these days, I find it very difficult to speak German, although I do seem to be able to read German quite well. Yeah. Which, I, which is quite a strange thing because I, I, I can't, a very, I can hear, because, you know, with any language, you find that the, the native speakers speak very quickly. Mm. don't you i mean certainly here in the north where i'm from northeast we all speak quicker than the rest of the country because uh, <laughs> it's cold you see you want to get the words out quickly yeah <laughs> and uh, and so, so something like a google google translate and the various uh alternatives they're they're so useful and the, the downside is that is since these things have come along i haven't traveled beyond uk waters so I've never had to, I've never had the opportunity to really use them. I right, last, I see. Last time we went overseas was in, oh my word, I'm still I'm I'm still here, listener. I'm just thinking. For, yeah, for anyone because you can't see the videos, listeners. Um, Chris is sitting there literally mouthing out one, two, three. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think it's two thousand and eight. Actually, yeah. we went abroad. Um, well, we're having children in the uh, in the meantime. We nearly went to Ireland in 2011, which you know that does count as abroad. Yeah, if yeah. you're English. Um, and we've been to Scotland and Wales in the interim, but we we haven't gone overseas. Yeah, for ten years. Yeah. So and, and, you know these tools weren't really around then. Yeah, I I don't often have to use Google Translate, but the I I remember being in Poland and because Polish is a language that I don't have really any background in or any experience so when I was there I really couldn't communicate with people um, and so I was quite reliant on Google Translate then. Um, fortunately though I didn't have to download it offline 
uh, <laughs> because uh, but because I probably wouldn't have thought ahead and planned but that is something that you should do is, is try and before you leave try and think if I didn't have connectivity what are the kind of things I might might possibly need so just maybe scroll through your apps list or check out one of our articles and just have a look and consider it so that if you're in even if you're just wandering around I mean it's useful but particularly if you're in emergency situations there could be lifesavers to you um, if you've got these available at your fingertips okay um, now listen in terms of traveling overseas and flying and going to particular well-known countries um known for their tight airport security james mm-hmm. um what's this, what's the situation these days in terms of you know taking a mobile device or a tablet or a laptop to the usa is it i mean is it a risk are you going to lose it at check-in um so i traveled to the us earlier this year and didn't see any of these kind of issues that people have talked about with you know devices being taken off them and all that sort of stuff now um the Border Patrol, um, what they call the TSA, is quite infamous, uh, the American TSA, um, and they can behave um, not linearly. So you don't, not everybody gets the same experience is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. And I think that that plays into it quite a lot. But there are... It might be wise not to take, say, your primary device with all of your information on it, for example, when you're, I mean, that's generally good advice anyway, Yeah. regardless of what country. Is The reason that it's particularly prominent in the US is because it's widely publicized, um, because there's been a lot of changes over, during this last government. Um, but I think just generally following the same rules as you would anywhere else, you don't want to be taking all of your information because what happens if your phone gets stolen and that kind of stuff. Um, Obviously, when traveling abroad, different countries have different values, different cultures, customs, laws, and there'll be some things that might be fine in your country that may not be fine elsewhere or maybe taken in a different way. And so it's just best to be aware of what customs are available in that country that you're going to and kind of plan ahead for that. Um, you know, there'll be things like laws on sexuality if you go to particular countries and all that kind of stuff that you just want to be aware of and I think that would have been the same before we had smartphones anyway but there's a whole trove of information that we carry around on this tiny little device in our pocket that can easily give away clues to who we are and what we really think and believe and all that kind of stuff so I wouldn't say that there's any particular country that's any worse than any other Um, and your experience will probably vary depending on what border agent you get at which country and all that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. But you don't want to be taking your primary device with all of the information that you would normally have on it to any country regardless. Yeah, absolutely. OK, um, I suppose as well, going back to what we were saying earlier, it's just occurred to me because I do take a lot of photos is. Um, that whole kind of not sharing them thing. Is kind of. It's very easy to share them in location a where you think maybe it's safer than location b so you might share them to instagram because you've got locked accounts than to facebook where you might not have a private account but you might have it synced to facebook anyway and also um you know you might you might share it on instagram and then someone might start talking about it in the street 
mm. or in a pub or whatever, saying they saw your photo and someone overhears that. I said, oh, they're out of town. That's just uh, struck me because I've been taking a lot of photos on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, lately, um, but the, the the main route I was going to before that just struck me there was um, you know we t- we talked very much kind of about kind of like precautions to take and things, but there's also the planning side of holidays, isn't there? When you when you're going on a trip and to find out you know the best places to go to. Now I don't know if you ever do this, and maybe we can uh, move into sort of actual activities and things. But and I know people, I know I started doing this because this guy that I used to work with a long time ago, and around the time Google Street View first came out, what he would do is um, if he was going somewhere he'd never been before, he'd go on Street View and from kind of the main uh, the main junction off the motorway, he would then view Street View to get mm. an appreciation of the, 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 the route from junction to destination. Yeah. And that's kind of something I've I don't do it all the time, but if you're somewhere where I've never been at all before, I do tend to sort of size it up on Google Maps first. Mm-hmm. Is that something you do? Um, I guess it depends on what type of vacation you have. Like, like you've mentioned, you have kids, um, whereas our vacations, because it's just the, the two of us, it, uh, they tend to be a bit more freewheeling because we, we can. Um, but if you've got children with you and tell you, you kind of need to plan a bit more than than we do. Like I said, sure. we tend to book our holidays like literally just before we go, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think you'd want to be doing if you've got three kids. Not really, no. um, but I absolutely understand the impulse to do it because it gives you that bit of extra comfort going, OK, well, if I get to the airport and it's really stressful here, then at least I know roughly where I should be going rather than having to panic. And if you're abroad, especially and you you know you've got the language barrier as well it can, even even with all these apps and things it can still be really stressful and overwhelming so to have a bit of pre-knowledge to to be like oh yeah when i turn out the airport i'm going to go left and then the bus stop is right in front of me i mean that that can be really invaluable and make it a much easier experience for you yeah absolutely i think as well it's worth um again in terms of preparation it's probably not something you necessarily need to do before leaving the home but it certainly is something that you would need to do before you have arrive at a location or a theme park or some sort of um, you know some sort of location that you're visiting on holiday, um, this is something I found works quite well to save a bit of money. That's to go on the website and book the tickets the day before mm-hmm. or in advance of when you're going, and you're going to save you know various amounts of money five percent ten percent but you know if there's a few of you going it's you know it could be the cost of a meal while you're there, which means yeah not having to expend extra money on the meal or not having to spend the time making a picnic or taking food with you or whatever. So I think that's worth doing. Um, I, uh, I mean, having children, I've got kind of, how many weeks is it? Seven weeks. So I've got 14 days worth of excursions to plan. Yeah. Over the coming weeks. (laughs) And uh, I think if you're in the UK, and I don't, I cannot speak about other countries um, for this. I imagine there are similar things on offer. But if you're in the UK, and whether you have family or not, if you just like going on days out, it's a good idea to have memberships of the English Trust and National Heritage because you can get free entry to an immense number of places across the United Kingdom um, and free parking in some cases as well. And you get, you know, get to unlock these uh, massively historical locations and also places with huge gardens huge grounds museums uh hadrian's wall i went last last year i think it was i went to 
a house whose name escapes me at the moment, but it's the uh, it's Lord Summerall's home in the original Wicker Man movie. Mm-hmm. Um, vast Scottish estate. Um, and there's and these these um, you know National Trust and English Heritage separately they're like ten pound a month so you know if you're American you must have about twelve thirteen dollars a month and you get vast access to and you know obviously Americans look onto the UK and seeing the history if you have that membership of these things you're going to save a lot of money and see it pretty much anything that you want to see. And it's not just not just things like that. There are other subscriptions. I mean, um, theme parks have subscriptions these days, so you can uh, yeah. Um, so you can you know pay sort of X amount a month, and you can go at any time of the year with free entry. I'm pretty sure the Disney theme parks have that. I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where because I, I know Legoland do it, and I remember mm-hmm. thinking um, reading when Legoland did it, they they got the idea from one of the parks in Florida. So yeah. And the other thing, so I was in New York earlier this year and um, in the UK, a lot of museums and things are free. You know, we have that um, provided for us. But in New York, a lot of them were paid, but they had specific days and times where they were free. So if you research the kind of places that you want to go beforehand and you can work out, oh, this one's free on Tuesday afternoon and this one is a free admission here. And you can save yourself a lot of money by just sort of knowing when they do these particular events. And I mean, you do you'd be surprised at how little people actually utilize that because you can go there during those free times and you think, oh, well, it's a weird time. You know, it's the only time it's free. It's going to be packed. But actually, because tour groups and things take up such a predominant space in these attractions uh, and they don't go during the free times. So you'll actually find that you'll probably get it quieter and a lot cheaper if you have a look and, and plan ahead for those kind of events. OK, that's cool. That's useful. Um, and, and I think really um, we've, we've, we've stumbled across, and I do say stumble because, you know, we didn't plan it. Um, we've stumbled across two sort of key elements to, you know, tech and holidays and planning. Um, and that is uh, keep everything to yourself and plan everything. I think that's yeah. pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think that, that pretty much summarizes it. Yeah. So if, if there's any takeaway from... Uh, this uh, final really useful podcast for the current run uh, we'll be back in September um, it is um, plan in advance and don't share anything until until it's safe to do so until you're back home yeah or at least Excellent. be aware of what you're sharing so that yeah. you're aware of who you're sharing it to and what it may give away I think that's, yeah. that's the key yeah, we're not, I mean, we're not saying you should sort of like go on holiday without telling anyone because you absolutely shouldn't. Want to <laughs> yeah, do that. no, don't do that. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, that could cause an international incident. But yeah, certainly, you know, put some thought into what you're showing it, how you're showing it, who's going to see it, and plan ahead, save money, save time as well. Because one of the other things, you know, you can queue jump as well. That's another option of uh, booking in advance. So uh, yeah, and just uh, take advantage of the technology that you've got. Um, but also, I suppose. If you're going to take advantage of it, make sure that you have paid. You know, I mean, you're going to have to do this anyway, but make sure you have paid for the right sort of uh, mobile internet access, roaming charges, whatever. And also have some sort of portable power pack with you because that might come in handy. Yes, yes, we should have mentioned that one ages ago. That is very <laughs> vital. Absolutely, especially for photos. Um, yeah. Things because, you, you know, using a smartphone, um, predominantly for photography, you know it heats up doesn't it especially yeah. when you've got the screen on a lot for the viewfinder and then you go through that whole 
yeah, he's, he's standing, you know, using it too much, gets hot, wants to shut down, put it away for a bit, swap phones with whoever you're with. Yeah, you definitely need uh, need need to, some uh, power management needs to be uh, thought through there. So yeah, that's the end of this final for the current run. Really useful podcast. We'll be back with a uh, a back to school edition in September um, from James and myself and from the rest of the really useful podcast team at makeuseof.com. Have a great summer. Have a great break. Travel safely and. We'll speak to you soon. Until then, it's goodbye.